Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on thebigscreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. We're off and running again, and we are back again. This is Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Welcome along. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks, still wondering where our title folks, Rick and Nick, are. I think they went to the Super Bowl, Dave. I'm pretty sure they were down at the big game. They were in the celebrity section. I think they might have gotten a brief cameo during Justin Timberlake's halftime performance, and that was it. I don't know where they got to after that. I believe Richard and Nicholas are now actually incarcerated since they ran across some uh, exuberant Eagles fans. So they may still be in the holding cells down in Minneapolis, unable to make it up in time for the uh, for the for the podcast. Why you got to be like that, Dave? They ran into exuberant Eagles fans. Why not downtrodden Patriots fans? There were also some Bengals fans that got into the mix. They were just upset they didn't get to go. Oh, but boy. I digress. Poor people. Poor people. <laughs> I'm disappointed in you, Dave. Come on. You could have picked any other way of describing that, and you said that it was by way of exuberant Eagles fans. Did you watch Good Morning America this morning? Downtown Philadelphia is on fire. And it's not a wildfire coming down from the hills. Uh, this whole city is not on fire, Dave. <laughs> exaggeration, exaggeration. Yeah, exactly. But that's that just makes for good news these days. Apparently, exaggeration does. Huh. Anyway, people need uh, to watch the people need to watch the movie Network. I've seen that a long time ago. That was um, that's a crazy movie. But that's oh, Faye Dunaway, right? Network. I think she's in it. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, look, you threw me a curveball right off the bat. I'm pretty sure it was a Faye Dunaway one. And, um, oh, who else was in Network? Yes, it is. That was a long time ago. I saw, it. I saw it one time. Eh, we'll Peter move. Finch is the guy who goes totally off his rocker. William Holden is in it, too. William Holden, that's Robert what I was Duvall. trying to think of. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. Some of those names from way back when. They predicted a lot in that movie. They predicted a lot. So did The Simpsons. They really did. Simpsons yes. got like half their predictions right, and the other half, well, they could still come true. But we digress. And So anyway, <laughs> uh, we welcome you to uh, today's episode of the podcast. Um, it is February, and with February comes a lot in the movie industry, even though the movies themselves that come out this month are generally not really that worth seeing, although that's changing, and Black Panther is certainly changing that this year with all the buzz and excitement for it. Um, and a couple of other movies here and there. Uh, February also brings with it the anticipation of the Oscars. Mm. And the Academy Awards are coming up here in just a couple of weeks. So on today's show, we are discussing the 90th Academy Awards. And we're going to talk about the nominations as much as we know about them. We'll also discuss the Oscars in general. It's going to be a general discussion kind of piece about the Oscars. But first... Dave, with the Super Bowl being yesterday, along with it came a lot of advertising yeah. for upcoming movies. What did you think of what you saw? Anything that stood out? The Star Wars one jumped out. Just, you know, it's an ongoing theme with us. But the other thing was, it was kind of a kept of a secret. It's supposed to, the trailer's supposed to debut on Monday, today, uh, the full trailer. 
And so it hasn't yet, but it wasn't supposed to be a Super Bowl ad as far as what the official word was. So when it popped up. I wonder if that was a cost thing, although you would think they would have the the money to be able to put out a full-length trailer. I think it was just a, a surprise thing. I think it was, no, we're not going to have a Super Bowl trailer. Aha! You know, so a lot of fans were excited. We saw it coming, though. You and I did. We, I think we all knew it was going to come. We had an inkling that it was why, on the way. Not, why, the, not that we're experts. I mean, we're just standing hosts. Just a thought. Just a thought. I, You know, I thought that, you know, why would they devote why would they let the trailer come out the day after the Super Bowl rather than do that and have a Super Bowl trailer? So it just kind of seemed, you know, why wouldn't they? So the movie's coming out in a couple months anyway. You saw the new uh, Mission Impossible trailer. Um, there was a few others also, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So you're starting to get a really good first peek at a bunch of movies that are going to be coming out here in the not-too-distant future. And I thought the solo one was a nice surprise, too. Yeah. Cloverfield ads, there were a couple yeah. of them that, that came along, too. They they got into the mix as well. Um, I think they had two in yeah. the end, didn't they? I was surprised that those were going to be Netflix movies and not going to get a theatrical release. I was surprised, too. Yeah, I was really, really surprised. And that was kind of a whoa moment right there. Because, I mean, we talked about this a little bit. At least we touched on the theme of this in one of our early episodes of the podcast discussing the movie-going experience where we get the sense that this is going to be changing more and more in the future as far as immediately going to buy streaming type of service like like Netflix. And that that just uh, that doesn't sit well with me. It, yeah. it, it really doesn't sit well with me. I know that it's the changing of the times, and I know that's what that's how things are changing. But, oh, man, it, it just it, it doesn't feel great knowing that, that we're going more and more that direction. I think this is proof with with that that kind of advertising that came out particularly of a wide scale feel anyway release like cloverfield the first movie was really really good uh cloverfield lane was uh, a very very good acting piece whether the story was fantastic or not uh john goodman really delivered everybody delivered and now you're going to follow up another successful one with a direct to netflix movie which surprised me most definitely i mean i've got netflix so i'll get to see it that's great um but then again the first one, shaky cam, you know, whether I saw it on the big screen or not, probably, honestly, I hate to say it didn't really matter if it's a shaky cam found footage kind of thing. It almost works to have it on your TV because it was with a handheld VCR thing that recorded it. So maybe that's the way you should watch it. I don't know. That's just a thought. Um, but anyway, yeah, some nice uh, it's movies in the Super Bowl always go pretty well hand in hand. There's always a couple of sneak peeks and things to tickle your excited bone and so we had definitely were not disappointed on that note last night. So at the same time that we look forward to the movies that are to come, we're also getting close to looking back on the movies that were here over the course of 2017 and into early 2018. And with that, we have gotten the list of Oscar nominations that have come along. Do you enjoy watching the Oscars, Dave? Let's just start there first and foremost. Do you enjoy watching the Oscars, the, yeah. the show itself and, and all that comes with it? I do. I'm a movie fan, and these this stuff means something to me. I mean, it's, everyone knows the big ones, best picture, best director, best actor. Um, a lot of people that are general fans have no idea what like, a movie producer does, um, what is cinematography, you know, this kind of stuff, not all of it. But some of it's pretty important to me, and some of it is interesting. All of it's interesting. So I'm a fan. I like to watch them, and whether I'm you know voting along with people on the couch and trying to see who can out predict better than the other guy is one thing, or just how well is the host it. doing? Yeah, all of it. It's just it's a show, and that's what we're celebrating: our movies and entertainment. So get up there and entertain, really. Exactly. It's, it's funny when you get a very well-known actor that'll win. 
and they'll get up there with an acceptance speech, and it's the driest thing you ever heard in your life. Your job is to entertain. Do something. Right. Or they'll more and more of them are using it as a platform to discuss something, sure. some kind of political issue, some kind of social issue, or some kind of cause that they are all about, um, different things along those lines, sure. um, which which may very well play a big role in this year's Oscars, especially based on what we saw at the Golden Globes and all that went on there um, regarding the Me Too movement. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see if that carries over into the Oscars and if the conversation continues on there or if a lot of people got to... I guess, say their piece um, with the opportunity that they were given there or if this is just going to continue on. I think it's gone on as long as the Oscars have. Whether you had people protesting wars of the past or, I mean, Marlon Brando wouldn't come up and accept his award because of the American Indian movement in the 70s. Right. I mean, there's always going to be something going on. It's a platform, and whether it's Me Too or Vietnam War, you name it, there's always going to be a reason to have something to say. So let's talk about the movies themselves, and let's start with the big category. And Don't that we is... have to mention spoilers this show, because I think at this point, probably nothing spoiler-related, but you never know. There might be. Something. That's a good point, yes. So, heads up. So here are the the Oscar nominations for Best Picture. Okay. There's Co- ten this year, right? They've expanded it to ten? There are nine. There can be a maximum of ten, but there were nine that were selected for the, the Best Picture category. What does that say? If you can have ten, but we're only going to do nine, does that mean that the tier... The next tier down to get number 10 on the nomination sheet wasn't quite good enough to nominate? I suppose. I, I mean, I guess you could look at it that way, mm. but I don't know. Harsh. I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, there, there are going to be those people. I'll, I'll get into one movie that I think some people wanted to get in there because it was a crowd pleaser. But here were the nominations for Best Picture. Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, the Shape of Water, and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Those are the nine nominations for Best Picture. Pretty general consensus that all those movies certainly were deserving of some recognition. Um, how about Get Out? Getting in there after being out, uh, speaking of movies in February, last February it had come out, and now here it is in the Best Picture category. Um, it was It was a different kind of movie for so many different reasons, and here it is in the Best Picture category. You've got a huge tentpole movie in Dunkirk from the summer that is in this mix, and then you've got a lot of movies that, typical for Oscar-nominated Best Picture movies, came out at the end of last year and uh, have carried on into this year now. Um, as far as the momentum that they picked up. One movie that, that some people, I know that there were a lot of people who were saying this because it was such a big hit, that, that that some people felt, hey, get this into the Best Picture category just because, was Wonder Woman. That I think some people wanted to get in the mix for a Best Picture nomination, but um, many people not really with too much argument on the nine that did make it. The question, though, is which one will come out on top. Yeah, that's, I don't know if I have a dog in this fight. Um, I've seen some of the movies nominated for Best Picture. I have not seen most of them. So you and my, me both. My, my prediction would be You saw, unwarranted. which ones did you see? I saw, uh, excuse me, I saw The Post was really good, but that's not up for Best The Post it is. is up. It is up for yes. Best Picture. Um... There was a couple we were about to go see and didn't happen. You saw Get Out, though. Right? I have not seen Get Out. Oh, you haven't? But I you... did just buy the disc. Right. And so it just showed up this last week. I haven't had a chance oh, to watch it yet. okay. So I have it, 
and I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. You and I are going to try to get a chance to watch it before the show, though. Like, we we still want to. Just... I was going to say, I should invite you over to the castle, but everyone over there is fighting something off. I want to keep you healthy, so I'm not going to invite Correct. you for that reason only. And I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, but we, we are planning to watch Get Out before the Oscars yeah. themselves. I will and, and probably this week watch it, um, and when, I, when I'm done, I will bring it over and say, who have you got to check it out? Perfect. But yeah, that's a, that's a great story of the little movie that could. Um, and the Wonder Woman snub, as people look at it, I think it was a fantastic movie. I will give you that. I've seen Wonder Woman, even though it's not up for Best Picture. Um, certainly deserving of accolades. Certainly deserving of praise and noteworthy. Best Picture, that would be a little overblown. I would agree. Best Picture yeah. is, um, it's not just handed out like salted peanuts on an airplane. It's, you got to earn it. And while this movie is worthy of a lot, Best Picture, eh, it'll probably go down in the annals of, of uh, action movies and comic book movies as one of the best. Head and shoulders as well it should. Best Picture, though, that has to say about this category and this category and this category. Some were met, some were not. But a fantastic movie. Don't let you, let, don't let your head hang because it did not get nominated. Right. I do have a dog in this fight, okay. and I'm okay admitting okay. that because I think it is a splendid movie. And you done Wonder Woman. There are some terrific. There are some terrific movies that are in this category here this year, and I've read about a lot of these movies and a lot of what what the prognosticators have been saying about this. Um, the Shape of Water, I think, had 13 nominations. I believe yeah. it was in that that realm. So because of sheer nomination power, it's got a shot for Best Picture. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, has been doing really well at some of the pre-Oscar award ceremonies with with what it's been taking away and how well it's done, including at the Golden Globes. Um, I know that there are some people who are raising controversy about the content of it and some of its themes, but but that's the movie and and its themes. So. Uh, so three billboards seems to stand a pretty good chance. Although again, the, you've got those people lobbying against it now because you know after it wins, you know getting all the buzz of well this is what's wrong with it, that's what's wrong with it. There's that post-critical analysis that seems to be happening now, which I kind of tilt my head at and go, huh? Um, I saw Darkest Hour. It was very very good. Um, I, I will get to more about Darkest Hour later, uh, but it's it is an excellent movie. It's it's one of the two that I've seen so far on this list. I really want to see the post, especially after what you said about it yeah. and what others have said. Let me ask you about your but, thoughts on. Well, uh, Dark- I'm, oh. I'm getting I'm okay. getting to okay. yeah I'm getting to to the the movie that I have a, okay. a, that is essentially the one I've got here in this race okay. and. I went to see Dunkirk this summer. I obviously, being a big Christopher Nolan had fan, had a feeling we were going a big, here. <laughs> a big fan of his movies. Yes, you you saw what was coming. Being a big fan of his movies, I, I went, of course, to go see Dunkirk this summer, and and it was an incredible movie. Yeah, it, was. It, it was an incredible movie. Not only in the story that it told, but the way that it that they told the story was so unique for a big time movie of of the modern day because it stepped back and it was a shorter runtime and it was a more realistic thing with the set pieces that were used for it um and and with the planes and with um with all the different props and and items that they used for it all um and and character wise they stripped it down to such a bare minimum yeah. with what they did it was very raw it was very intimate and it was a different kind of war film with the way that it delved into the psychological and and took 
a bunch of nameless, faceless kind of individuals and made them representative of the whole with with the way that they did that and took away dialogue that maybe otherwise would have been useless in other movies. You know, they, they scrapped that that sometimes useless petty dialogue that gets mixed in there and they it all mattered. And it all came to a resounding conclusion with it. And it was filmed so beautifully, too. So yeah. beautifully with, with all that they did. Um, it, it tugs you emotionally when you watch it. I am I am sincerely hoping that it does well. I know it's been nominated for eight categories. I would love to see it take a shot at Best Picture. I know that there's some great ones that are in the mix here. But I'm hopeful that it gets a good shot at Best Picture. I'm hopeful Christopher Nolan gets a shot at Best Director. This is the first time... He's been nominated, and he's been so highly regarded in years gone by um, with with the different movies he's he's come out with. The Dark Knight is one of the reasons why the Best Picture category has now been expanded to include as many movies as, as it can at the maximum. The Dark Knight's a big reason why, because that was a movie that a lot of people felt was snubbed at its time, and Christopher Nolan has been a director who many has, have felt has been snubbed in years past, but... Dunkirk is is a I mean as far as be a movie from an artor who who puts together a, just a splendidly crafted movie like this it's a a movie that you know brings together the hallmarks of what makes movies great yeah Dunkirk uh with all with all respect to it it did so much with a little it really did it That's was right. very minimal I mean you get some big name stars that if that showed them clearly at all. You know, Tom Hardy, you don't see his face for the whole movie, pretty much. You see his eyeballs behind a mask, kind of like, you know, Dark Knight Rises. That's right. So you're doing a very little amount with very little dialogue from some big-name stars. Uh, so it, it was an example of minimalism, in a way, you know, which was Absolutely. which was really something interesting. Um, I, you know, I, and I, like I said, I don't have a dog in this fight. I think Dunkirk was a fantastic movie, and that's certainly worthy of its accolades. And if it does win Best Picture, it's worthy of winning it. Um, it's just a beautifully filmed movie, so I, I, yeah. I mean that gives it a chance right there, and then just the way it was put together. But again, it's a packed category, and, yeah. and we, two World War II films with that and The Darkest yes, Hour that just occurred around to me. the same time frame, yeah. as well. The same time frame. The Dunkirk incident, which is a real life incident, weighs into The Darkest Hour a little bit. It doesn't does. It? Now, it I've does. not seen that one. Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely does. When I got to see Darkest Hour, it does weigh in. Yes. No, I haven't seen it, so this is a question, not a comment. Was that the Darkest Hour? Was that more of an acting performance of Gary Oldman completely transforming himself, not so much on story, or was it actually pretty good and well-balanced and interesting? It Gary Oldman really does carry that movie big time, but around him, it is a very good movie okay. as well. It is it is a very good movie. Um, I don't know if it's a, a Best Picture winner, but it's a very good movie carried by a tour de force performance, which, again, we'll get to that here in a moment. But I wanted to stay on the Best Picture category okay. for a little bit here, Dave, um, because you brought this up coming into this episode a little bit. Does the best movie always win in this category? And I think people, people get frustrated with the Best Picture category, I think especially in the modern day, because they look and they go, well, this is a movie I haven't seen. And and I think people sometimes get frustrated with that. I mean, back in the day, you know, you go back to the 50s and 60s, and there are big-time movies that were winning the 
the best picture category um, back in time. Movies that people were going to see, like, you know, 1959, Ben-Hur, 1961, West Side Story, 1962, my favorite movie of all time, Lawrence of Arabia, um, The Sound of Music in 1965. Uh, You've got these movies um, that people are going to see, The Godfather in 72, The Godfather Part 2 in 74. You've got movies, Rocky then, later on as well. You've got movies that, that people were going to see and that they knew existed that were winning. And they were well-made movies as well, and, and people were going to see them. But now, in the modern day, you get more and more of these these movies, especially in the 2000s, that maybe people had seen it, maybe they didn't see it, um, that, that came along like Crash. Uh, you've got Slumdog Millionaire. Um, you've got uh, The Artist, The King's Speech. Um, some of these limited-release movies that... Um, that are sometimes winning that that people don't know quite as much about. Uh, even even Moonlight last year was a movie that was like that. Uh, back, that. But back in the day, they didn't have you know ten different movies opening on any given weekend. Movie theaters were a lot you know there were a whole lot less of them back in the day than there are now. So back in the day, and I'm not sure exactly when back in the day stopped being back in the day. But watching in a movie, it was it was an easier trip to go see one in a way, with, you know, cost aside, because it was coming out. You knew it was going to be good because they didn't put out a whole lot of schlock movies back in the day. Oh, of course they did, but not like today where they can make a you know there'll be a thousand movies come out in any given year. Where back in the day it was like a hundred movies a year, if that. So if it was one of those touted to be a great movie, you knew it probably was, and it was. There's a reason why a lot of those big movies at the time live out in 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 fame. Because they were. So nowadays, you get a lot of movies come out, and it's really easy for some great movies to get lost in the shuffle. Maybe it's a great movie that doesn't have a lot of publicity until the reviews start coming in and people loving the movie, like Shawshank Redemption, did a famous example, did not do well at the box office. What? That sounds like a weird movie. And now it's a classic, but it wasn't acknowledged as such at the time. And that kind of indirectly answers my question, does the best always win no, because that year in 94, uh, Forrest Gump won Best Picture that year. And it's a right. great movie. But that's the same year that Shawshank came out. Would I, would I vote, if I was on the Academy, would I vote for Gump over Shawshank? No. I love both of those movies, understand. But there I would, would also be those people who would look and say Pulp Fiction should have won that year. I'm sure there, there may be some sure. who would be in that category as well from that same year. I look at 1998 with Shakespeare in Love mm. winning best picture when Saving Private Ryan was left there as a nominee and had been winning a ton of stuff that and and had been getting so much buzz and was a winner at the box office as well and that's the thing winners at the box office don't always get that that kind of notoriety in terms of winning at the Oscars and winning with the little gold trophies yeah and even sometimes ones that do win there isn't necessarily a clear alternative that should have won. Right. Like, um, for example, it's one of, actually one of, it's a it's a very kind of artsy movie, but it is one of my more favorite movies. Agree with it or not agree, American Beauty won Best Picture in two thousand, and there's 99. a lot of not, well, yeah, it came out in ninety nine, but the Oscars in two thousand it won. Yeah. So it's kind of confusing. Um, we just completed the twenty seventeen you know NFL season with the twenty eighteen Super Bowl. Correct. It's, it kind of it's kind of yes. weird how that works. Um, but American Beauty won Best Picture, and I personally think it was worthy of it. It's a very artistic movie. Um, great performances, great a lot of everything. But the subject matter is bizarre. 
It's a little different. It's a little out there. And so some people that, well, I want to see a best, I want to see all the best pictures. It's one of those movies that when you do go watch all the best picture winners that some people walk away going, I don't know what that movie was for, but I don't think it was deserving of winning. Well, which movie that year would you think should, I don't know, but not that one. So, and there is that. And it's, and that's kind of what this is about. It's art, really. So art is subjective. Some people will look at a Monet on the wall and say, eh, but it's Monet, you know? It's very, very subjective, and so you will not ever get a consensus, and that is kind of the fun of the Oscars, because they kind of need a consensus to get a winner of best whatever. Which is why people sometimes question the way that that consensus comes about, which is why the Oscars Last year, there was no consensus. They announced the wrong movie, if you remember. Oh, whoops, sorry, guys, not you guys. It's this other people over there that they want. That was a big snafu, you know? Oh, yeah. So was there a consensus? Was there not a consensus? But even in the the past couple of years, there's been a lot of questions raised about the, the nomination process and about the the way that that they've got they've come to get not only best picture selections but also who gets in the mix for the awards and is there is there good representation that's that's allowed in the awards racially and with with topics and as well in, in terms of the movies and the people who are getting nominated in the individual categories that's been another thing that has been brought up here in recent years uh, more and more i mean there was the the oscar so white hashtag that yeah. that came along a couple of years ago and it it all goes back to how do they they come to to make this determination on what gets into the mix you know do do they do they not include some people more so than others do they or 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 is there on the on the flip side of it is there too much worry about representation and not so much about are you getting the best movies and the best people in the categories so there's there's that whole side of it as well maybe the best way to look at it is to compare the Academy Awards with the Golden Globes. Because the Golden Globes are basically a press event. It's, it's, and they're nominated by the press, and then the press corps will vote. When you get to the Academy, so really you only get a handful of people that will decide the Golden Globes. So it's really different. The Academy Awards are voted on by the peers in that category. For example, Steven Spielberg, gr- clearly a member of the Academy, isn't going to vote for Best Actor. Because he's not an actor. He will vote for the movies where producers and directors and writers are involved because that's what he does. So basically you're being voted on by your peers. Now the Board of Governors will nominate the movies and you can – I think it's a fair debate to be had about who's going to be nominated. I think clearly that could be looked at. But once you're nominated, you're getting picked on, so to speak, picked apart by your peers that know what they're looking at. So best picture, everybody I think can vote for that. Um, but if you're talking about cinematography, for example, only the cinematographers are voting in that category. So they know, nope, that's not good. No, oh, that's really good there. So they know what they're looking at, and Spielberg will be left out of that one, just, yep. to, just to use one example. And I like that process so that it's it can be a popularity contest, of course, but oftentimes it isn't. Now, Best Picture, like I said, since everybody can vote for that one. Uh, that has been and could be and probably will be again a popularity contest. But it's more informed is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, more informed and yet at the same time has come under controversy yeah. and has come under scrutiny and, and people trying to get it all figured out of how the process actually plays out here over the last couple of years. But it is quite a diverse field this year in terms of the types of movies and even in some of the other categories as well for those who have wanted a little bit more of that. I look at it and I go, 
Are we getting the best performances that are on there? I think that's what matters most importantly of, of all is are well, the best performances getting recognized as such? And other things, do, are there other factors that are leading into this thing? For example, James Franco, you know, he was up for best actor in the, in the Golden Globes with uh, the disaster artist. It was a great performance. Yes. Um, so now this thing breaks. This While this thing broke was just before the Golden Globes. We'd already been nominated. Uh, so the Oscar nominations hadn't come out yet, but the scandal had broke. He did not get nominated for the Oscars. Did this scandal play a part in him being nominated or not? Will that have an impact on which really is the best performance necessarily based not or based on politics or social stuff? Depending on who you ask, there are a lot of people who think that there was a snub there. And uh-huh. let's get into that category. The lead actor category, five nominations up for it. Two newcomers. An old standby, another old standby who was a big surprise making it in this year, and a pretty clear front runner on this one. So we've got Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name, Daniel Day-Lewis for Phantom Thread, Daniel Kaluuya uh, for his performance in Get Out, Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour, and Denzel Washington in Roman J. Israel Esquire. So you've got your front runner, Gary Oldman, you've got the old standby in his final performance ever, Daniel Day-Lewis. You have a shocker in Denzel Washington, who, again, is an old standby, terrific actor, in a movie that really was pretty lukewarm in terms, of, in terms of how people felt about it. And then two newcomers in Timothy Chalamet and Daniel Kaluuya. Interesting. Um, the, the Denzel one, I think, is kind of a surprise. And it's not about how, whether the movie was good or not, but the performance was good. Um, did not see the movie, so I can't say, but I've seen some clips on it, and it looks interesting. But sometimes you need the, the what do you want to call it? You need the, the content of the movie, the context, to put it all together. So I guess I can't really speak on it. Um, but I, I think there was some definite, some shockers in there, and that's an interesting one. But I think well, I'm with one you. One in particular, Denzel Washington, and that's where I think a lot of people felt, hey, James Franco could have been in that slot. He, he, he could have been. I think, honestly, in my opinion, it's going to come down to two. It's going to come down to Daniel Day-Lewis because he's a fantastic actor, disappears in his roles, did a fantastic job in this movie, which is also getting good reviews. But it's also he's announced his last role. He's going to retire. So are they going to send him off? Or you've got Gary Oldman, who, by all accounts, and again, I haven't seen the movie, disappears into this role and makes it his own. is a completely different person. I... I had no idea that it that it was truly Gary Oldman. He looks he he looks so different with with the extra weight and everything there and his voice is hardly recognizable. It, it's unbelievable. And that I, might be, I was just blown away. And that might be what you got to focus on. I mean, who did a great job acting and not necessarily who looks less like themselves, but who makes the character the most believable? You know, I'm not going to put anybody down or necessarily bring anybody up on this, but um, I think that's what it has to come down to. Whether someone's retiring or they've never won and they're due, you know, you got to leave the politics out of it and just look at the performances. But that's part of what makes Oscar fun because was there politicking? Should James Franco have been nominated over somebody else? You know, it's um, I think there's some fantastic deserving nominees. There's always some that should have been nominated that shouldn't have that weren't. People thought Tom Hanks should have been nominated from the post. Personally, I think he didn't necessarily need to be nominated. He did a great job in the role. 
but it didn't necessarily bowl me over as this is the best role. No, no, no. His Philadelphia role was better. His Forrest Gump role was better. You know, uh, Jim Lovell role from Apollo 13 was better. Um, did a fine job, but, you know, maybe it was not a bad year to take a year off. Just my opinion. Yeah, and I I would agree with that, yeah. And there's there are some, some really nice selections that, that yeah. came up there in, in terms of um, ones that are in the mix for the award uh, here this year. And, I mean, even if you go back to – to previous years, just by comparison, yeah, it's it, it's a pretty good year for it. But at the same time, Gary Oldman stands out with the way that that he was so transformational in terms of who he was and getting into the role uh, for this year. It's it's pretty remarkable. So I and he's done that before. Yes, I I would be thoroughly surprised if if the award goes another direction here this year because he's. I think he's really got it. I have to look it up, but I, my instinct is he's never won an Oscar, I don't think. He never has. And I think he's due. And I've seen, whether it's a major transformative role, he played um, a disfigured victim in a Hannibal Lecter movie that I didn't know was him until after because he was uncredited. He played, and he was Mason Verger in Hannibal, the disfigured guy. That was him. Um, he played Lee Harvey Oswald in JFK. Played it so convincingly. That he looks so much like Lee Harvey Oswald that you forget that it's actually not Lee Harvey Oswald. And that's something. You know, so this is a guy, and whether it's Commissioner Gordon, too, got to throw that in. Um, he's a very fantastic actor. And if you're talking based on he's due, I would say if you're going to throw in a little politicking, I'd say Gary Oldman's got this. Not only is it a deserving role, but he's due. He should have won by now. Yeah. And with this performance, I, I think it's there. I, I really do think it's there for him to to be able to break through here this time around, but we'll we'll see because I again I th- I thought it was a worthy performance. We'll see if it gets agreed upon, but I mean when you transform like that, I think that's that makes your opportunity there to be able to win one like that. Academy so. voters tend to go for that, you know, when you really transform. When Charlize Theron was one of the most beautiful women on earth, became one of the more ugly people when she won for Monster. She really transformed herself, and that's what makes a real difference. Yeah, lead actress. This is another nice segue. Cat- yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Handing it on over. <laughs> yes, lead actress. Um, another category where there seems to be a pretty clear front runner, at least by all the buzz. There seems to be a pretty clear front runner. Um, there are a couple of interesting options that you could go with here uh, in this in this category this year, though. Sally Hawkins for The Shape of Water, Frances McDormand for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Margot Robbie for I, Tonya, Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird, and Meryl Streep in The Post. The frontrunner, by all indications, is Frances McDormand uh, for Three Billboards, and we've seen her in this category before. Yeah. She does quirky very well, you know. And she it's a, does. It's a Coen Brothers movie, and if you don't know, she's actually married to one of the Coen Brothers. So that worked well for her in Fargo, and um, actually, I think she won the Oscar for that role. Actually, matter of fact, um, so this is this is where she's at her strongest. That was where she won. Yeah, yeah back she, in '96. She's in her. She's at her strongest. She's in her element. I've not seen the movie, but I really, really want to. Uh, looks fantastic. Um, so I guess there's only so much I can say about it. Um, but again, we're talking about transformation that the Academy really tends to go for. And there's a lot of indication also that Margot Robbie was really jumping up here in a very short time with some very well-known and distinguished pieces, transforming herself into someone that we all know on an infamous level, Tanya Harding. 
and by all yes. accounts nailed it. And to the oh, point, yes. to the point, not just her role, but the movie. Tanya Harding, ever since the '94 Olympics, has been the villain, and there's a lot of sympathy coming out for her now in the wake of directly resulting to this movie. That says something. Because of the people behind Tanya Harding. Oh, yeah. Who get reflected upon here with this movie. Yeah. You know, and I myself, I don't think Tanya Harding is any, you know, miscongeniality by any stretch. But I also think she was kind of thrown under the bus of history. I think she, I don't think she had much to do with it. She was involved with this, like Nixon was involved in the break-in. You know, he didn't do it, but he didn't help it after the fact. And that's, I think, what Tanya was guilty of. Um, and she wasn't the ice princess. She was, pardon the term, white trash when you get a lot of ice princesses out there. And that didn't work against her. Um, she's been lost to the annals of history, unfortunately, but she really was a talented, talented skater. Yes. And this movie kind of pulls that out a little bit. So love her or hate her, she is what she is. She's a very polarizing figure. But the, when the movie can make a big impact on the real social structure like that, that's got to say something. Another nomination for Meryl Streep. She's back in the mix again. Always. Not at this point looking like this is going to be her year to win a third one, which would put her second all-time in terms of the wins category. She is clearly far and away the all-time leader in nominations now with 17, topping Catherine Hepburn's 12, but uh, another one for her. And and how about Saoirse Ronan, who was nominated, I don't know if you remember this, Dave, um, I just was reminded of this when looking at the list, she was nominated two years ago for another movie called Brooklyn, and this is now her oh, second right. nomination that she's picked up in this category. So starting... And she, pretty young. Yeah, hers is a name that is really starting to... Uh, to to get kicked up more and more here in in recent years in terms of getting into uh, these these really top notch movies. Yeah, she's a younger actress that's not one of those glamour actresses. You don't see her on the you know the ritzy glitzy premieres all the time. She's focused on the craft and it's starting to show. Would you say she's like the lord of movies? <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's got a ways to go, but she is she's the secret weapon. Most definitely. You know, she's been out there. I'm glad you got my music reference I, there. I picked up yeah. on it. <laughs> she's, you know, whether you're talking about her, I think it was one of her first roles in The Lonely and the Lovely Bones, or even playing a hitman in Hannah. I mean, she's got quite a range for such a young girl, and she's got to be, what, 20? 23. 23, Yeah, she'll like be that? 24 in April. Okay, yep. she's young, and she's got quite an impressive body that of work and good. That is pretty incredible. Yeah. If she doesn't win, I haven't seen this movie, so I can't comment. But if she, her days are coming. I mean, and she's got quite a body of work behind her. You can imagine what's yet to come. A lot of buzz around Lady Bird. A yeah. lot of buzz that's been around it here in, in the past couple of weeks since, it's a, since and even before the nominations. And again, all I'm doing here is parroting what I've heard. I have not seen the movie, so I can't really comment right. directly. But it got snubbed by all accounts at the Golden Globes, particularly was nominated for Best Picture in the Globes but not nominated for Best Director. Right. And rare is the fact that you get a movie for Best Picture that doesn't have the director nominated. It does happen, but At it's rare. At the Globes, yeah. Or anything. It's It does happen, but it's rare. If you're up for one, you're usually up for both. It's a little bit more frequent nowadays with the Oscars because there's up to 10 nominations you can get for Best yeah. Picture. There's only five for Best Director, though. And here are the five nominations. Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan, Get Out, Jordan Peele, Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig, Phantom Thread, Paul Thomas Anderson, and The Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro. Greta Gerwig's nomination is a big one, a rare, rare nomination for a woman for the Best Director uh, Award. Um, there's some biggies in, in this category in terms of not only strong movies, but also 
strong direction coming from this category as well. You know, this is where I think that where we talked earlier about Wonder Woman getting a snub for Best Picture. This I would probably be on the bandwagon saying there was a snub for Best Director nomination for Patty Jenkins. Um, what I, for those of you that are familiar with behind the scenes stuff, but, the, but what do you take out from this list? That's that, the other question. That's the difficult. Thing. That's the other question. Who did you remove to put someone so in? I don't know if I have an answer for that. But what I would say is keep this in mind. You know, you have all these DC movies that were coming out, and I'm not. T- I'm talking post Dark Knight trilogy, so Christopher Nolan and his earlier work. Um, it was a mess. It really, really was. And a lot of it came down to directorial choices. Now you get Wonder Woman who's starting off. And I mean, just to tell it what it is, it very well could have been a TNA movie. It very well could have been, but it wasn't. It was a very, very good, well-rounded, put-together movie. And that craftsmanship came from the hand of the director. So from the sea that was the mess, that was the DC universe, up came this gem that was so even-handed and so well done. And that's all about directing. And Patty Jenkins got all the hype in the world and praise that she deserved. Yeah, and she came through. And she really came yeah. through. And she's done some great things before. She's going to do some great things again. Apparently, she's coming back for Wonder Woman 2, which is great. She is. That should have been recognized, I think, on an Academy level would have been pretty good, particularly with the Me Too movement and particularly that, you know, she's a rare female director with a really fantastic – I mean, she could have gone the route of um, – oh, just going to make a comment and it just escaped me. Who directed The Hurt Locker? Um, um, oh, come on. I know this. I can see your name. And I can- Catherine Bigelow. Thank you. Yes, there, there you go. There you go. Catherine Bigelow. She was going down that route, and that's high praise. So – but then again, who would you take out? Exactly. You know? That's where it gets difficult. And, you know, Greta Gerwig certainly get – I mean, yeah. with her getting in there, that was really huge for a lot of people, really big – uh, that she was selected there, but there's some great, great movies that got into the mix there for the directing category and a lot of great see, directors. I don't see a favorite in this group, to tell you the truth. They're absolutely all I think, worthy. I think if there is a favorite, it's Guillermo del Toro I, because of how The Shape of Water has done leading up to the Oscars in, in some of the other awards. I think he right now seems to stand out as the prohibitive favorite. It's not by much, but I think he's he's the one. Yeah, it's pretty even across. I mean, every single one of them is worthy for different reasons and yes. similar reasons. Um, I if let me put it this way, if somebody won that category, which somebody will, I wouldn't be disappointed that they won and not somebody else. You know, they're all worthy. I might be a smidge disappointed, <laughs> but but that's just me being biased, and it's it's that's just because okay. I love his movies. So anyway, uh, supporting actor. Uh, well, I'll run through just just the supporting categories here, and I, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the other categories just really quick. But yeah. supporting actor William Defoe for the Florida Project, Woody Harrelson for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Richard Jenkins for The Shape of Water, Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World, and Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards. Two Three Billboards nominations in oh. there. You wonder if it's going to split the vote. That's that is one thing that comes to mind with seeing that. But if you're talking about an acting performance, I don't understand why two different performances in the same movie are going to split the vote. You don't vote on a performance based on the movie. You vote on the performance. Are you sure? I, I think you should. I mean, if that's if you get the peers doing it, then why would it split the vote? It's not like a you know. There's no political parties when it comes to uh, you know politicking in a movie. I agree with you, and yet I know some who may yeah. see it differently. So it's it bears the question. Supporting actress Mary J. Blige. Hold from, on, let me back up. Re- let me back up more real quick. Two yes. things of note with the supporting actor thing, though, is the Christopher Plummer part. You know, this was the part that was Kevin Spacey, 
And then the allegations broke, and they refilmed his entire shot, his entire part, cut Spacey from the movie, something like a month before it was going to come out, something close to that. Rushed through it. This guy got hired and filmed all the scenes in about 15 minutes, pretty much. And he's up for best actor. Now, is it nostalgia? Supporting actor, yeah. Best actor, supporting actor, yeah. Is it nostalgia? Is it like, hey, that was a great job, or is it really that good? And I've not seen the movie, but I've heard, A, the movie's good, and his performance is really good, too. So that says something. How about that for a pinch-hitting kind of duty there, stepping yeah. in like that? That's pretty incredible. And he hit it over the wall. Oh, yeah. And then the other one, you got to give a lot of credit to this guy, is Woody Harrelson. If you go back enough and you watch him on Cheers, he was the dumb hick on the on the show Cheers, you know? Whoever thought this guy was going to become a respected actor, he's got some range. Doesn't he's good he? in comedy. He's good in draw. He's good in everything. He could do a serial commercial that would be captivating. Woody Harrelson and I'll I'll put myself in this group. Did not see it coming. Did not see this coming. But wow, has he really got a career? His career has gotten a heck of a second win that is that has come around and and is become a part of it because it, it's oh, pretty yeah. amazing what he's been able oh, to do. So kudos right there. Best Supporting Actress, Mary J. Blige for Mudbound, Allison Janney for I, Tonya, Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird, and Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water. So those are the, the supporting categories. Um, one of the things I enjoy about the Oscars is that they get into some of the technical categories, and I really enjoy seeing yeah. who wins for the technical categories, like even the writing categories. Who has the best adapted screenplay? Who has the best original screenplay that, that you're able to come up with? What about cinematography and, and the filming? I love the filming categories yeah. and what they do with that. Cinematography this year, Blade Runner 2049, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Mudbound, and The Shape of Water are up for cinematography. If you're looking for your adapted screenplays that's based on something that's already been put together, Call Me By Your Name, The Disaster Artist, Logan is up for that one, mm-hmm. Molly's Game and Mudbound, Original Screenplay, The Big Sick, Get Out, Lady Bird, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Those are all original screenplays that have been put together uh, that are up for that category. Then there's the film editing. There's sound editing. That's another one. By the way, that's where Star Wars The Last Jedi was able to to get a a nomination, along with Baby Driver, next to Blade Runner, Dunkirk, and The Shape of Water uh, for that one. Then there's sound mixing. And then original score, which is another one, another bigger category that people really enjoy keeping up with. I'm a fan of that one. Dunkirk, Phantom Thread, The Shape of Water, Star Wars The Last Jedi with John Williams, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri are all up for that category. Um, There's also visual effects. Costume design is another one that's, that's really interesting. There's the foreign film element to the Oscars. So even with the big categories... What makes the Oscars unique is they get into some of the technical categories in a pretty neat way, and it's cool to see what movies are standing out in those realms and what makes them different in those particular categories. One category that always comes up every year that I don't think has resonated in the last couple years in the, in the pop culture realm as it used to is Best Original Song. Yes. You know, you go back to the day where you'd have a movie with a song track that would come out, and that song was just tearing up the radio charts. It doesn't happen like that anymore. Uh, there are exceptions, of course. Adina Menzel, Let It Go from Frozen. Skyfall from Sky, Adele. Off of Skyfall, Adele. But, you know, even the next Bond movie, um, The Writing's on the Wall, I think is what the name of the song. I, it, I don't think it came out on airwaves, and I'm probably not surprised. I didn't think it was that good a song myself. I wanted the Radiohead version 
of Spectre that <laughs> they'd come up with. Have you heard it? I've heard it, yeah. Oh, it's great. But, I mean, it used, it used to be whether it was Whitney Houston's Bodyguard soundtrack. I mean, it just dominated the airwaves. My it's heart will like go that. on from Celine Dion. Celine Dion, Titanic. Yeah. It's not like that so much anymore. You know, Trolls, Justin Timberlake was an exception to that. Uh, and there are exceptions to that. But the nominees right now for the 2018 Oscars, I haven't heard one of them on the radio. I don't think. I think The Greatest Showman's This Is Me is going to be a popular one there because a lot of people like The Greatest Showman a lot. But yeah, these aren't... But some, it doesn't sometimes fit they in make with the current radio. music. You yeah, know? sometimes they make the radio, sometimes they don't, these these original songs. Yeah, you know, it, I remember when uh, when Oh Brother Where Art Thou came out and A Man of Constant Sorrow, very bluegrassy, you know, and it was a good song. It was tearing up the request charts and stuff, but it wasn't heard on all the radio stations either, despite its popularity. And sometimes it's not a song that comes out of the time, like The Greatest Showman. It's not exactly what you would con- call contemporary music. Uh, great music, but it's hard to fit into an existing, say, radio format somewhere. So there's reasons for that, I get. But other songs, it'll come out like a pop song, let's say. doesn't come out oftentimes or doesn't really make much of an impact. But you'd think it should if it's up for an Oscar. I don't know. It's just It doesn't resonate these days like it used to in the past is kind of my commentary on it. We've got ourselves an Oscar primer, and now it's just the wait, which we get a month to wait now until the actual show itself. So there's going to be a lot of prognosticating going on yeah. here over the course of this month. Well, let me ask you a question now about the show itself. Over the last years and decades, the viewership for the Academy Awards has gone down, You know, whether it's based on the host or whatever it is. How do you take that? I take that as it's too long. It's too long. For one thing, it's too long. And on, a, on another note, it's people who I think are fed up with Hollywood and who are fed up with the, the seemingly separate kind of world that Hollywood seems to, to live in, according to a lot of people. Um, I, I think that's a big reason why – two reason, two major reasons why the, the numbers for viewership have gone down. I think people don't like the way that Hollywood people come off and the way that they, you know, just the way that they carry themselves and that they kind of, that they're in their own little bubble and this show kind of reflects that. And not only that, that it's an extremely long show that could get done much sooner, but always seems to go over its allotted running time. Yeah. I think, I think there's, there's truth to what you said. I think also that nowadays just people consuming movies is different. They consume them rather than actually save them like it's a gourmet meal of some sort. You know, you're wolfing down your prime rib rather than mm, savoring it. So why would you savor the ingredients, the cinematography, the music, the actors? You know, it's, I think that goes hand in hand with it. When you get the more red boxes you get, and I'm not putting down red box, I'm just saying that I think that reflects in the way the Oscars go too. I personally am going to savor my movies. I love them. And some of my favorite movies are ones I've seen 25 times. You know, the surprise is gone, yeah. but it's about enjoying the flavors rather than the surprise of the story. Um, and even some movies I've seen 100 times, the story will change a little bit as I watch it. You know, it's interesting. You pick up more nuances. And so savoring those individual ingredients for people like you and myself um, probably goes and says a little something about that. Well, Joe General Red Box going public that I don't know, I don't care, whatever we're going to consume tonight, then maybe they don't care for the Oscars. Right. But it is overhyped, it is overlong. We're talking about an industry. And, and the recognition factor matters. Like yeah. you said, it, it really does matter. But some of the stuff is when you actually get somebody up on stage. Once they're on stage, oftentimes 
don't care anymore. One of the more interesting ones was not actually an Oscar acceptance. It was, I think it was an Emmy acceptance speech. Hugh Laurie had won for House. So he went up there and he had in his pocket cut up names of people that were involved in the show. And so he was going to thank only three of them, whoever they happened to pull out from his pocket, you know, if it was his wife or not his wife, the director or not the director, didn't matter. And it was kind of fun and interesting. And so things along those lines. But when you're Jonathan Demme and you win Best Director like he did for Silence of the Lambs, he talked for 30 minutes. I'm not making that up. It was long. At that point, you need to be played off. But at the same time, it's sad to see people that have really worked hard. They're up for 10 seconds, and the, and the, and the band starts to play already. But you kind of need that. I think when you get to the bigger categories where you get Jack Nicholson or somebody that goes up there, they should have a little longer time, and I think they do. Um, but it needs to be entertaining. And if you're an entertainer, you know, if you're the cinematographer editor, you're not expected to be entertaining necessarily. Yeah. But if you're Jack Nicholson and you're going up there, you better be entertaining. You don't just go get dry and drab and talk for 30 minutes about nothing you know, entertain. That's what you're there to do. So do it. You know, that's something I think that would be helpful. I think we've said plenty regarding the Oscars and now it's time to wait as mentioned earlier. So I don't know if I've got any real favorites to tell you the truth. I mean, there's enough that I've seen, but enough that I haven't seen that I'm not going to be your best barometer for this. And that's, that's just the way it is with us. And I I think we said that off the start with this entire podcast is that we're not going to be able to catch every movie. Not everything really appeals to our taste for starters. We don't have the time for another, for another reason. And also we don't have access to all of these movies either. So we, but that's, we'll throw in one more thing. One thing we think we talked about in the past. One thing I think would be a good thing is, you know, this time of year is generally, they call it the dumping ground because a lot of movies that are coming out that they don't have a lot of confidence in, well, we'll bump it to January, February because the movie going is less. People are going to the theaters less. People have blown their spending budget on Christmas a few months earlier. So this would be a good time when you get Oscars coming out, when the nominations come out, re-release some of these movies for a couple of weeks. Give people a chance to see them. That would be nice. You know, that would be nice. It sometimes you know? happens. It does sometimes happen, usually in bigger cities, so Bemidji maybe not so much. But it make it an opportunity. It, it happened last year with La La Land. Yeah, it certainly can. And But that was a wide re-release. It'd be nice to get some of these even smaller movies that I'd never heard of. You know, I never heard of this movie. I think some of them are even out of the box, are out of theaters. Now, if it's a movie like Get Out, I mean, it's already on DVD. You can go buy it right now. But if it came out this fall, like a lot of Oscar movie contenders do, they're not out on disc yet. They're not on a red box yet. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Now would be a good time to maybe do that. Maybe get a theater chain like AMC or something to do. We're going to do a week of these movies where on Monday it'll be this, Tuesday it'll be this, something. So at least it gives you the opportunity to see them. That would be fun. It would bring up their box office totals for one, and people that really want to see something that's got something about it that's special gives you that opportunity. That's why I love when they bring the classics back. Yeah, especially. they don't do that either. I'd love yeah. to see, say, you know, Lawrence of Arabia on the big screen, but I understand it's complicated issues, but mm-hmm. still it'd be fun. It is complicated, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, there's your Oscar primer. We'll look forward then to March. I'm sure we'll check back in after the fact with the awards and give our thoughts and reflections perhaps on the show itself but i'm joel hoover i'm dave brooks thanks for coming along today we'll see you at the movies